Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook here to exchange some news, views, a bit of seasonal advice and uh, hopefully answer some of your gardening quandaries. There is no better group of plants of flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla producing single rose like flowers continually from June to the first frost. Our thanks for this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants of Pershaw, Worcestershire. Good news with gardening arriving in the sun on Sunday newspaper for the first time this coming Sunday. At heart, I'd like to believe I'm a newspaper man after more than 40 years writing for the sun. And now we can have the full colour and space in the Sun TV magazine on a Saturday while adding the latest news and reflect the day before's weather in the Sunday paper. It will keep us busy producing different style and content over every weekend. But there's no shortage of things happening in the gardening world. Uh, For example, I hear this week that seeds of Italy are facing real difficulties trying to get deliveries of uh, packeted seeds after the uh, introduction of Brexit in the new year. A Scottish seed potato merchants report unprecedented sales and popular cultivars of potatoes are already sold out as far as they're concerned. Oh, and, and the weather. Unbelievably, over the past eight days, uh, conditions on the hilltop at Hyde Hall last Saturday, uh, bright blue sky, sunny morning, Uh, but snow-covered and the soil bullet-hard with a biting east wind that dried your face and lips in minutes. And then with rain on Sunday night, by Monday morning all the snow had gone, was so warm it was almost shirt-sleeve weather. I thought the Primrose Everlast in full pale yellow flower would be clobbered by all that frost. The open flowers took on a translucent appearance and looked uh, really sorry for themselves. But no, a rise in temperature uh, and that bit of rain and they were back upright, full of colour and flower. What a fantastic introduction that is. Primrose Everlast flowering from September right round to May and beyond. Hellebore hybrids too and snowdrop, cyclamen, They all look the better for their days frozen under snow. Once the temperatures lifted, bird activity in my garden appears to have increased. I was watching a tiny wren working through some dense ivy on the garage. 
how that tiny creature survives those 24 hours of continuing freezing cold, I'll never know. Up to us to provide uh, some good evergreen cover in our wildlife-friendly plots. Very pleased to welcome back today Professor Chris Baines, who is uh, one of our leading authorities on wildlife and uh, environmentally friendly gardening. He and I have had uh, gentle exchanges over the years. I mean, when the mole goes down my sweet pea trench and up earths my several months of work and the fox divs a damn great hole in my veg plot, then I am not entirely enthusiastic about wildlife gardening, although I love my robin around my feet when I I'm digging and taking little bits of cheese when I'm crouched in the polytunnel. So, Chris, for those people who do want to uh, encourage more wildlife into their gardens, can you give us a few tips, you know, things that people can do just to make a start, somebody who wants to really quite seriously attract wildlife and, and of course, perhaps follow you and have a green pathway through the suburbs <laughs> well i hope you're feeding your robin on organic cheese peter that would be a start um yes of course i mean it's it's been i think this year or the last 12 months has been really interesting hasn't it because many many people have been forced in a way to look more closely to be more conscious of the changing seasons i mean you remember last spring there was so much on the radio and on TV about how people were hearing the dawn chorus for the first time and how much louder the birds seemed to be singing. So I think it's a really interesting time for me, as somebody who's been banging on about this, as you know, for 40-odd years, <laughs> to see that suddenly lots and lots of people are really enjoying it and realising how valuable nature on the doorstep can be for human beings. You know, that whole stress relief aspect of having nature close to home uh, is is really coming of age now, I think. And the, the fact that you can make a difference has really been very important. So I've always said, as I'm sure you remember, that actually wildlife gardening is about gardening it's not about creating a nature reserve or abandoning everything it's it's clever horticulture in a sense but working with ecology and an understanding of the way that natural systems work and so is good gardening yeah, we're trying to meet in the middle ground aren't we yeah exactly and and uh, i i think that's been a big change. It's been partly driven by the organic gardening movement, I think, which has also had a similar kind of trajectory to the wildlife gardening movement over the last 20 or 30 or 40 years, I suppose. Um, but actually, I think it's, it's this sense that people really want to have more of a sense of the seasons. They want to actually hear the birds singing, to see butterflies in their garden in the summer, to have a robin to feed. And that... They know from the wider world how much we've lost. You know, I, I know your part of the world very well, Essex, and actually so much of the countryside has lost its butterflies and its birds over, the, over my lifetime and your lifetime. And the idea that in your own little patch you can make a difference has really motivated people. And so partly that's about learning how the seasons work 
and learning what's possible. You know, I'm looking out of my window in the middle of Wolverhampton at the moment. There are so many birds outside the window, but that's essentially not because of my garden, but because I'm actually living in an urban forest as far as the birds are concerned. Lots of mature trees, big park around the corner, an old overgrown cemetery not very far away. And I've got this wonderful little woodland glade, if you like, which is my garden. So the key, I think, to the wildlife gardening side of things is to think of your garden as a kind of um, a service station within that wider green network and then to see what you can do to make it as comfortable and appealing as possible to the birds and, and maybe the foxes and the badgers that will come and dig your garden <laughs> up. Um, and, and that really works. You know, uh, I the centrepiece of my garden is a, is a pond. It's a fairly small front garden. I don't have a lawn. I have a pond. But my next-door neighbour has a very nice lawn. So the song thrushers, in a couple of weeks' time, will be collecting mud from around the edge of my pond to line their nest. But they'll be pulling out worms from his lawn. Yeah. And that idea of your garden being part of a kind of a tapestry, a mosaic of different habitats means that you don't have to do everything. You don't have to achieve everything in your patch. You just need to make it attractive. So that's why things like bird feeders are so important. Yeah. You know, there may be 30 birds outside my window at the moment. Maybe two or three pairs will nest in my garden, but they'll visit my garden constantly for the water in the pond so they can bathe at this time of the year and keep their feathers clean and for the food that I put out. Um, and it's that kind of sense that gardens have a, a really key role to play and that actually now I think urban areas and suburban areas, mature housing areas where most of us live have become some of the richest parts of the British landscape. The farming countryside has become coarser and coarser. It's lost its hedgerows, it's lost its wetlands, and yet gardens have become richer and more important for conservation. So where's the first step, Chris? Is it hedges? I mean, around my plot, I will have a yew hedge uh, with some berries on, with a bit of luck. In the, in the winter, I have... Um, an, an evergreen chamisciparus, you know, a, a green conifer. I have my favourite hedge, which is a peach hedge in, in the back garden with the brown leaves uh, through the winter and then, you know, attractive changes in leaf colour through the spring and summer and autumn. A hedge, I think, is so much better than a fence. Yeah, and, and I think the, the key is that it provides enclosure and shelter, but it also provides a corridor system. So if you're lucky enough to have hedgehogs in your neighbourhood, they will you can see them. They follow the hedge. They follow the edge of the garden. And so that shelter that comes from having vegetation around the edges is a, is a key starting point. But it's also, I think, important because it provides shelter in itself. It provides nesting sites for blackbirds and for, for hedge sparrows. At this time of year, the, the, the Leyland cypress, I've got a big Leyland cypress on one of my boundaries. And at winter, you can see the birds flying in there at dusk yes, for the protection yeah. that it provides. So shelter, I think, is a really good starting point. And then providing some water, I think, is the, is the great thing that makes a difference. I do have a big pond, but actually the busy bit of my garden is a really small bubbler fountain where the water trickles over a big rock. Um, and I 
in another month or so, when young birds begin to appear, blue tits and great tits, they'll queue up. It's quite extraordinary. I can sit in my office and watch this little bubble of fountain and there'll be maybe 10 young blue tits standing around whilst one after another they jump on the top of this little <laughs> bubbler and get washed and then move off and the next one arrives. So you don't need a lot of space. You do need to actually just put yourself into the mindset of the wildlife in, in the neighbourhood. Uh, and then planting is absolutely central. So, you know, all of that mass of decking and paving that's out there is really not helpful to wildlife. The lawns are important, and anybody who's watched a lawn for five minutes will see blackbirds and thrushes out there. But the, the flower borders, the shrub borders, again, can provide the cover, the shelter, the protection, but if you choose them well, they can provide you with berries in the autumn, as you say. They can provide early spring blossom. And the trick there, I think, is to try and make sure that your garden has as long a season as possible. So I always say if you can actually think about the very earliest of the nectar flowers, and grape hyacinths would be one of the ones that I always think of. And if you've got that particular bulb flowering in your garden and we have a warm spell and the peacock, peacock butterflies emerge from hibernation, they'll be in your garden because there's so little nectar around that early in the season. And then right on to the end of the year and the Michaelmas daisies that provide that last boost of nectar, nectar for the bees and the, and the butterflies. So stretching the season is one of the things that horticulturalists can do really well, I think. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, there are two plants, particularly in what I call the quiet season. Um, I, I find ivy going up over the garage and hiding a pretty ugly building, particularly useful. I mean, at this time of the year, there are birds taking the berries. And of course, it flowers at a time when there isn't much about for any bee that's on the wing. And the other thing is the winter flowering heathers. When we had a hedgehog or two, uh, and I don't think they're in the garden at present, they actually raised their family underneath the mound of heathers. And of course, for <laughs> bees then of course they're flowering at uh, well pretty well uh, December to May uh, and provide very useful nectar and pollen. Yeah well the, you mentioned ivy a few years ago Gardener's World magazine ran a supplement no doubt you were in it and so was I they got gardeners to choose their favorite plant their most important plant if you like and and I chose ivy and the editor rang up and said are you sure <laughs> 
Are you sure about this? <laughs> but actually, you're quite right. I, I guess if you stand on a on a October day in the sun by your shed, you can hear the ivy. Yes. There are so many insects buzzing on those flowers and they glisten with nectar. And then right through the winter, of course, they provide fantastic shelter um, for, the, for the overwintering butterflies, things like brimstones and, and peacock butterflies that will hide away in there, but also as a roost for bats. You know, so that, that's a fantastic example of a plant that actually needs very little space because it can grow vertically. So if you do have a wall or a fence, growing climbers like ivy over that structure gives you the kind of the hedge effect and takes very little space up. So even small gardens can do that. Well, my scruffy shed-cum-garage with the ivy has in front of it pyracantha. And, and you mentioned the bees buzzing. Last May, when it was a mass of white flowers, the noise from the bees was really unbelievable. Yeah, it's a wonderful aspect of the whole... You know, you should, in a garden, you should be able to smell whether it's autumn or spring, and you should be able to hear whether it's autumn or spring. I mean, those, those aspects of being outside that people like you and me have kind of taken for granted all our lives many other people are just discovering for the first time because they've been forced to just get their fresh air, if you like, within a few yards of the doorstep. So it's been an interesting kind of year from that point of view. It also makes a difference. You were mentioning the ivy and the pyracantha. When I started in this business, I suppose, 40, 50 years ago, in, mo in all the gardens I had, there were always spotted flycatchers. These are a little brown bird that flies all the way from Africa and nests in exactly that kind of situation. And you could be pretty certain that if you um, had pyracantha on, on a shed, uh, that you'd be unlucky if you didn't have a spotted flycatcher. <laughs> now, they're virtually extinct in this country. Um, I haven't seen one for 10 years. So there's been a massive loss of some species, but other things have really blossomed. So goldfinches, which 40 years ago were a real rarity, they were an agricultural bird, really, now turn up in their 10s and 20s in suburban gardens because bird feeding has changed all of that. And the bird feeding industry, as you know from every garden centre you ever go into, is now a huge industry that simply didn't exist 30 years ago. Without question. But now, is it a charm of um, goldfinches? I thought, it was a char I thought it was a charm of horticulturalists, actually, <laughs> Peter. <I hadn't... laughs> yeah, a charm of goldfinches, you're right. Beautiful birds. I have two or three clumps of Rudbeckia, uh -huh. the perennial Rudbeckia goldsturm, and I always leave the heads on that. And, boy, do the finches like to go through those seed heads. And when they arrive as a charm, there might be 10, 15 or 20 of them, they move so quick. And, and going from head to head to head. And if you go out and look after they've been in, I mean, there's chaff everywhere. Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember having a, a conversation uh, with Jeffrey, the late Jeffrey Smith, who was, uh, was very much into this whole area long before most of us were. And I sat in his garden uh, up in the Yorkshire Dales years and years ago, and he was telling me that he has cranesbills, had cranesbills in the garden, geraniums, and that he was convinced that they they were intoxicating because the bullfinches would come and feed on the seeds on his cranesbills. And
And after about half an hour, they were starting to fall about, these birds, because they were obviously drugged on whatever was in the seeds of the cranes' bills. So it's, it's, it's just wonderful to have things to observe in that kind of detail just outside the window, right on the doorstep. You don't have to go off to the countryside or the wilds of coastal Essex or the national parks. People are really getting to realise that what's right on the doorstep is exciting. And just yesterday, actually, I was just looking out the window idly, as I do, and a sparrowhawk came whizzing in over the fence and just missed the blue tit and flew off again. <laughs> and I just thought, God, that's fantastic. You know, that's spectacular wildlife here in the middle of Wolverhampton. Who would think? <laughs> Chris, is there anything that people can do just now to support wildlife in the garden? Well, and the one thing to do now, I think, is to get a nest box up out there. This is the moment to get a bird's nest box up somewhere, put it on a wall rather than a tree so that the cats and the squirrels can't easily get at it, out of the sun, where you can see it, and if you're lucky, within a month or so, you'll have a family of blue tits or great tits in and out of there every few minutes. And if you've got one there already which has been used, it's a good time to get it cleaned, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, I, I can't believe that anybody goes around cleaning hollow trees out in woodlands. So, you know, I'm, I'm never that convinced that it's so important. But sure, I mean, this is the moment to do it before the birds, they're already prospecting. If you've got nest boxes at this time of year, you'll probably see birds already sounding them out and checking them out. But if you have got the time and the inclination, then getting the nest boxes down and emptying last year's nets, nesting material out will certainly reduce the risk of parasites, which is, which is why you do it. But if you haven't got the energy for that or a set of stepladders, then actually I think the birds are pretty good at sorting that kind of thing out and uh, they'll know whether it's a safe place to nest or not. The cats are much more of a risk than the parasites are probably. <laughs> <laughs> There's a job saved. Chris, it's always great to speak to you. A good few tips for those people who have ventured out of their back door and into the open air with perhaps more open eyes than in the past. Thanks very much, Chris. Good to chat to you. Yeah, and you. Our thanks for this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants of Pershaw, Worcestershire. My producer, Rich Charman. And, of course, to you for listening. We get regular inquiries about the music used here. The piece is called Potentilla and is part of a cantata called In the Shrubbery, with music composed by the late Anthony uh, Tony Bremner, a talented musician, composer, and former member of the Glyndebourne Choir. Tony was an enthusiastic gardener, and uh, the melodies came to mind when reading my book Shrubs for the Garden. Must be the only gardening book, to my knowledge, set to music uh, and available on the Tall Poppies CD. The first performance was given in Sydney Opera House uh, and it's one of my regrets uh, that I wasn't there. But it's a number of years uh, ago now and times and things were different then. So, uh, for your uh, interest and delight, here is all of Potentilla in appreciation and memory of uh, Tony. What a lucky fellow I am to have my book 
set to music by such a talented fellow. There is no better group of ones for flower power and forms of the shrubby potentilla producing single rose like flowers continually from June to the first frost. All are very easy to grow in any garden but the best results are obtained in light of Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365 day returns.